to Black Light Mass Incarceration Show. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Mass Incarceration Show is a space that is used to uplift the unheard voices of the criminal and social justice issues that many face today. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. All right. Black Light, I have Mr. Rodney um, from California, and he is here to share his journey with incarceration and after incarceration. So without further ado, Rodney, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and then get into how you became incarcerated and then post-incarceration? My name is Rodney Wright, formerly known as Kango from the city of San Francisco. Grew up in the Western Edition. My story is a little different or unique. And not really. I'll say that it's the same story that many people coming from urban communities have to tell, but often go unvoiceless and unheard. So it all began uh, in the early part of 2087, which is when I began my uh, prison incarceration. But before we do that, I want to go back uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, uh, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, to a woman by the name of Gloria Rice. By the age of three, uh, she relocated to here to San Francisco. We originally lived in Albany, California. At the time, it was prevalently, uh, uh, predominantly all-white uh, area. My mother was a uh, student at the University of Berkeley. So she went on to become an educator and advocate for women's rights and urban community justice. She also did the Bill Clinton campaign. And so our lives were a little different. I didn't want to kind of live in her shadow. I didn't want to be seen as just glorious uh, who had lived this type of life. And my mother didn't want the same. She wanted me to be living a different, be have my own identity. So we moved to San Francisco because of the area. She wanted me to be culturally diverse and understand uh, who I was as a man and who I was as an individual here in America. And so that I could see it from both lenses. Uh, we weren't always the best of friends, my mother and I. She, she was she was so dedicated uh, to her work and to her education that I took a backseat to that. And, and she probably didn't really know how to raise a young man, a young black male who who had no uh, positive role model. My father, father was never around. In fact, I never knew him. She, she never wanted to tell me about him. My family didn't want to tell me about him. And so I grew that kind of uh, hatred towards him and anybody, the whole fatherless background type of thing, because I felt like if my father wasn't there, then I really didn't care. He wasn't man enough to take up his responsibilities, which all black men and all men, for that matter, should do. If you uh, choose to have a child, then you need to be there uh, for your children. When I got this, when we got to San Francisco, again, my mother I was on the back seat. She would take me to the neighborhood and drop me off and tell me figure it out, grow up, be a man, get in a fight, fight back, you can't equalize, you can't win, equalize it all. And just, but in the roughest of areas, so we are, wait, I landed, we landed in a field more, which is the Western edition here in San Francisco. And, and so all, all of the things around me at that time were violent, criminal type of behavior. Just the whole mindset of, I've got to get mine, I can care about nobody else. And if you wasn't a, a part of my little team, then it was all, all for nothing. So I grew up in that type of world, the Filmo Slams of the world, the, the Mac Basins of the world, the, the very violent type of people. I had friends, Eddie Love and Chin and, and uh, Double J and all these different people, Greg, Chucky, 
all of these people who shaped my 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 identity as which was not a one that I, I preached today is I ended up going to the youth authority early, at an early age. Uh, at 14 years old, we committed a robbery. And so then that spun my life out of control. Once you do one thing, you, you shoot one person, you rob one store, you break in one out, you steal one car, and then it becomes, oh, you got a little money from it. And so it becomes exciting. Let's do it again. And so the story goes on. As I went through the youth authority, I got out. I felt I want to be like, this is who I want to be now. You get in this idea of justice at the jails and the people who are like you who do the things that you did and, and now you become excited about it and you start developing new skills and you learn how to calm people better and you learn how to do do all the criminals type of stuff because you're not around nothing but criminals. You're not being told to educate yourself. You're not saying, here, go to the law library and read a book. You're not in jail. It's, it's jail and you're going to jail it. You know, so you're going to be around that type of behavior. And so there is no uh, change of mindset. There is no cultivating a different type of a culture, you know, saying that I'm going to get out of jail and I'm going to be a better person. That's, you know, you consider soft when you're thinking like that. You have to do what you have to do. This and that's just the reality of it. I don't mean to not say that it is, it's encouraged, but that's what it is. You grow up around negativity, you will probably produce and become a, a negative person. Uh, you surround yourself with good people and want better for yourself consciously, then you'll probably do better. Uh, but that was my thing. I got out of, when I got out of the youth authority, I wanted to be uh, that from which I saw around me. So I wanted to be the most feared. I wanted to have the most money. I wanted to have the prettiest girl. I wanted to have the nice jewelry. I wanted to drive the most fanciest car. And, and all those things came into fruition because I put in that type of work inside of my neighborhood to do those types of things. And again, I don't encourage them. And again, I will say, and I, and I don't regret them. Now I say I don't regret them because it it, it allowed a certain type of a, certain types of uh, consequences and actions to take place. So when those actions became me having a, a take take responsibility and acknowledgement of the things that I had done, or the things that I had seen, the things that 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 surrounded my life, and then I had to ask myself: Is this what I really wanted? And is this what is this what we as a society really wanted? Is this what we as a community wants? Because the, the, and, and my answer was always no. I did those things because I wanted out of that. I, I wanted my family out of that. I wanted my, my community members to have better lives. But I did it in the wrong way. I took the wrong actions. I, I created the wrong type of life plan for myself and for those around me. And while I gained the reputation and the fear and the and success of that type of underworld lifestyle, I still hadn't obtained that goal from which I had set because we were still right where we started. We were still in the project complex, living in the same project of apartments. We still turning out the turning on and all the license and the roaches and still the government cheese. And, and we ain't but now we comfortable. We good. We got the money and we got the fame and we got the rep reputation, but we don't have the mindset to get away from that because now we become complacent. We become complacent in the idea that we okay, we got what we want, we can do what we want, we fine. But the oh, the whole goal is that, and now I tell people is that the goal was to get across the street, but I never got across the street. I got what was across the street, but I never actually got across the street physically, mentally, and mentally. Mm -hmm. in, in, in in the mental part is greater in the physical part, because that's what happens. We incarcerate ourselves mentally. Now, 
and 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 that includes lack of education, lack of uh, affordable housing, lack of legal services that that teach us that this is not a uh, lack of inclusion, lack of equality, lack of justice, lack so of all earning people, wages, affordable earning right. wages that a livable wage, livable wages. In this city in San Francisco, it's, you better have $34, $35 an hour just to survive. That's just the basic necessity, right? So for most people, that means two jobs. For I'm most people, three. Sometimes three. And that's, that's 18 hour days and just scratching the surface. And so this is some of the things that we need to address here in America is that when people do not have affordable housing, affordable uh, uh, equal employment, a just rightful way uh, to survive, then we already, as, as Americans, set ourselves back. We set ourselves back when we say we want to lower the recidivism rate, but now I'll qualify a director of a company, but you want to give me a McDonald's a job, or you want to give me a, a, a something that is not conducive to the growth process or the inclusion process. For the justice system, you see more black and brown individuals incarcerated than you do uh, other mod- other groups. And that's not to say that those other groups don't commit to crime. and not to say that we don't commit to crime. That's just to say that it's not equally balanced. When it's not equally balanced, then you set into place another form of mindset. Now, because now I'm bitter and upset that you're not being treated. I'm not being, you're not being treated like I'm being treated. Now we had war at odds with each other in that form. So these are all the things that uh, the needs to be addressed. We take on the stigmas that a, 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 a black man has to look, be, sound, and act this way. Uh, and, uh, if, if you have education, you have to look, sound, and talk this way. And you start labeling people. You start being biased in the idea that uh, this person is less than, right? And, and, and we, when my lived experiences, I have told many people, my lived experience and the lived experiences those, of those people who grow up in urban communities, it outweighs any education because your study is determined by my action. Your life, your success, or what if you perceive that to be success, or you went to Harvard, you went to Yale, you got a degree, you live in the gated community, you hang out with prominent people. If you believe that makes you something because you are benefiting off of my struggle, or the struggle of those people to whom you have excluded, right? Then you have already lost. You know, you have already lost because at some point, then the masses, the collective community begins to wake up and say, hey, 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 this ain't right. And most times in history has told us they, they take the oppressor and they hang them in the public square. Mm-hmm. So the other people and they, so that the people know that this was unjust. It, 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 and so we have to look at these things. And that's not to say to stand up for some revolution and everybody run up on the White House and, and start doing all of these things that we see these young people doing these mass killings and taking out their they schoolmates. And, and, this, and, and, and most of the time, you don't see that being us. And, and so we have to say that, that these issues need to be addressed. You have to listen to those voices that you often use to ignore because you know that they are just as equal, just as smart, and just as capable. And so because you want yourself to believe that you feel better, look better, sound better, that if you exclude them, then you are better. But that's only in your own mind because those of us to whom are conscious understand that. 
You can't look at me in the face and try to pull the wool over my eyes as if I don't know. See, that's where you're going wrong. You think that because you act, speak, and talk the way that you talk, now you're looking at me like, I don't know that you're trying to run a game on me. Man, I don't know you're trying to explain. Yep. And, 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 see, and see, this is the issue. The issue is that you are trying to convince yourself that I believe your lie. <laughs> and I don't. Even if I look at you in your face and say, like, hey, and we laughing, kicking, and you were, yo, yeah, you're the smartest, you're the, you're the best, and you know, all that. You, you gave me the opportunity. And if that's what makes you feel like you somebody, then by, by all means, feel like you somebody. What I'm telling you is the collective community has, has told you repeatedly throughout history that is not it. And we, just, and we just want you to acknowledge, you don't even have to acknowledge it to us. We just want you to acknowledge to yourself that you're not fooling nobody. You've benefited financially, but you're not fooling us. And so that's and so that's what happened to me. So I went to prison. I was 19 years old. But like I said, I terrorized my community. I was an unjust person. Not only in an American idea, but in, but in cultural idea. Just in, in the human humanity ideal of living. Did you, feel like you, did you feel like you had to do that to survive or because of you feeling like you didn't have a father figure in your life and your mother, you and your mother didn't really see eye to eye at one time? What made you feel like you had to go and be a nuisance to your community? So for me... Part in part, my mother's actions, in part of my father's actions, in part of society's actions, but more the lack of belonging, the desire to want to feel and be accepted by something or someone. Right? Back in history, they used to worship uh, idols and gods and the things that were not tangible and real because they wanted a sense of being able to feel that they were accepted by something. And, and and that's what I wanted. I wanted when I went home, my mother, she didn't have time for me. Didn't know my father, my my mother's family, because my mother came from a big family with more than 10 brothers and sisters. And they lived in St. Louis. So we decades away from each other. So I was really I was the only child. I didn't have no siblings. And I learned to play well that way. I learned to be accepting that these my toys and I and I don't, I'm happy with what I got. But still Deep down inside me, you still want that feeling to say somebody is there with you. Somebody understands you. Somebody accepted in love. That compassion that when I'm crying, they you know somebody looking around, what's going on? When I'm crying, ain't nobody looking. When I'm happy or sad, ain't who cares? So I was just alone by myself. And so I went into the streets and it, and I was accepted by that community. I was accepted. And because I was accepted, I allowed myself to be drawn in to the false indoctrination of those ideas. So those things, I started beginning to believe that criminal thinking, criminal behavior, abuse, assault, and all of these things were okay. They were okay because the people whom accepted me said it was okay. It, right. And that's what happens in the Black community. We go to the streets because that's where we're accepted. And we, they always say the streets will love you and you love the streets back. And so we believe that. We start really believing that, but not understanding that that street love is the love to get us incarcerated, which is modern day slavery. So we have to rise above that. 
Right. And it's no, but it is nothing wrong. Let me say that there's nothing wrong but being loved by the streets. There's nothing wrong but being loved by the community. There's nothing wrong for being loved by your friend, associate, or comrade, or whatever you choose to call them, whether they were in or out of a game. But the problem becomes when we believe that that love supersedes what's right. Consciously, what's right. Morally, what's right. Through principle, what's right. Not get governed by rules of that particular group, right? We're talking about humanity. Because the rules say that it's all right with inside my collective group doesn't make it all right. And that and, and so we adopted that. We what we are part of a collective, but we live in an individual idea. Because I'm living an individual idea, now I have to separate myself even amongst the collective. Even amongst the collective. When I should never uh, personalize or individualize what it is that we as a whole, humanity as a whole, should be trying to do, which is what I said, get across the street. What is get across the street? Finding that peace, that compassion, that support, that understanding that gets us to a better place. If Look, if I leave the world and I left the world as it was or worse than before I was ever born into it, then I have already failed. Yep. Because it's my job and responsibility as a human being to contribute in the most fruitful way that those young men and women who follow me after I'm dead and gone will have a blueprint and platform on how to do better. Because then they are set in their minds that they need to do better than what than what they brought to the table. And I you think know, that's what's wrong with our generation now is those standards wasn't set for them. By those standards not being set for them, our generation, well, my children's generation is is, is something else. And you have to set your generation up for success. I read that somewhere the other day that you have to set your generation up for success or if not, they're going to fail. And, and so my generation is that, like I said, I went to prison in 1987. So Anything past 1987 that has gone wrong in the community, in young, in the minds of young men and women, I take full responsibility and blame for. I take full responsibility and blame for. Why? Because we left them at their own devices. I ain't one of them OG to be like, oh, you should have did this, you should have did that. Or now that I'm back, listen to this and listen to that. No. It was my fault. That I left, and then that, and then I went. Not only did I, I leave at a young age, I left you with things that were not going to benefit you, right? I left you with the mindset and idea the, uh, that was going to lead you to the same place that I was going, which was prison or death, right? And mm-hmm. so I, we yeah. have to bear as adults, as as OGs and as members of the community of an older class that. We be a part of that responsibility of the outcome. Now we can't be sitting here, man. Oh, the youngster acting this way. They doing this and they doing that, and no, because we wasn't there. We wasn't there to give them the guidance that they needed. So what? So what happened? What happened? I became an absent father. And I don't even have children. I became an absent father to my community, right? And now it is we start play, playing this blame game, and of course, blame can be set everywhere. But after you said the blame, 
Then the question becomes, what are we willing to do about it? And what is the sacrifice is going to be made to acknowledge that we there's some blame to be placed and there's some mistakes to be, that have been made? Okay, now we got we got that out of the way. How what we doing? Now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we doing now? Where's the solution? Because the solution clearly is not to continue the behavior that I was working with. The, the criminal thinking that ain't work, right? It, it got me what I thought I was what I wanted, but but it also got me a forty to life prison sentence. So clearly that didn't work. And it's because I can't take the money that with me. You can only spend in California. You're going to spend 220 of it. So <laughs> you can make a million dollars with 220 dollars on the mountain. You can cover soups and a hot leg. <laughs> so, <laughs> coffee. So, we, so again, I have defeated the purpose and mission uh, from which we set out for. Now, we, I want to talk about uh, my time in prison. Okay, so I went to prison. And I went in a way that... I, I, I already knew that my life was over. So since I knew my life was over, well, I'm going to make the best of this and I'm going to make you remember me for this. So now I'm going to be, I'm going to take that mindset that I had in prison in, in, in society and I'm going to take that to prison because it, in my mind, it worked for me. It, it, it gained a, a reputation that I needed to survive. So now I'm going to go to prison and I'm going to terrorize the prison system. You'll be a menace in prison. I'm going to be a menace in prison. I think about one of the things that my mother had told me, or some committed men had told me before in the past, and I really didn't listen to. And, and, they, and they were like saying, listen, y'all that commit crime, y'all a small group. We think like in California, got 33 prisons, 200-some thousand people all locked up. That's a big number. But that's, that's a small, very small number compared to the overall population. And my mother used to say, y'all, there's two of y'all out there selling drugs and doing bad, but it's four of them, 400 of us paying rent, paying taxes, going to, doing the things that we're doing. So who is the outside in this business? Who don't fit, right? And, and of course, we don't, we ain't trying to hear that. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Miles, right here, you with it. I'm about to hear Whatever you say, Miles, yeah. Yeah, whatever you say. Until the point where my mother had got where, he said, okay, you ain't going to listen to me. I bet if I go tell you to one of your friends, I go tell you to your uncle, and they tell it to you, then you're going to listen. Because her, her objective was to get across the street. Because you were going to get her message across. Because at the end of the day, I promise you, young son, young buddy, you go, I'm going to be your first phone call. I'm going to be your first phone call. Yep. And, and, and I don't think that there's one man or woman in prison, in jail, who don't make their mama their first phone call. And that's the one person that they were built against the whole time. Right? <laughs> and only to say, mom's going to write, get a little help. <laughs> but I think that sometimes you do have to learn by experience. Because my mom told me several things and I took heed to it, but didn't. And I think me jumping into it made me learn. Because sometimes a lot of people, you, you have to learn by experience. Sometimes talking to them doesn't help. You want to save them. But sometimes that real deal life experience is what sometimes can make you stray away from what your mom was trying to keep you from the whole time. But mm. sometimes you're able to talk to them and they listen. But a lot of times they have to experience it to understand. And, and, and that could be true in a sense. We say, don't stick your finger in the light socket. Don't put your hand over the stove. All of those life lessons, those, those are cool. You can, you know, put your finger on the stove and figure out, oh, I ain't doing that no more. But we talking about things that have lifelong uh, implication and consequences. See, learning a life le- learning a lesson to say, okay, I'm gonna let my son go out here and do whatever and turn out where he got 50 years, 100 years and um, a life sentence and all of this stuff. 
those are not the lessons we want our children uh, to have to learn, right? Because by the time the 50 years go by, now we already in a too late stage because now they children them reap, reap the rewards or, or, or reap the, the lack of, uh, of acceptance or, or love that they're going to need. So I cannot, I don't have, I can't sit back and say, okay, let them go out there and learn on their own. I can't sit and sit back and say, let's, it's okay. They'll figure it out. You, it's not, that's, that's not working for us. That's not working for us. And so we have to be vigilant. We have to be, we have to be out there pounding the pavement, connected to the streets, connected to our people, connected to our surroundings, connected to the universe in such a way that we will not leave any option to not get it right. That's right. That's right. We're not leaving no options. It's like I say, there ain't, I, I can't even put it, you can't even convince me that there's ever an option that will make lead me to the idea that I'm going to do anything that's going to send me to prison. It took me a 40 to life prison system to learn that lesson, though. I'm not about to allow somebody else to have to learn that lesson. I'm not, a, I don't care who they is. We're not, prison is not an option. When I talk to my fiance, Maria is one of the things that I, I'm very grateful for is that I, by being with her, I learned the social and family dynamic, something that I didn't know. I thought I knew it. I come from the big family. I got all that stuff. But I didn't really understand what it meant, you know what I'm saying, to be a, a, a responsible parent, to be able to communicate with your spouse, to be able to contribute in a collective way when it came to the fine, fine family dynamic. And that's where all this stuff began. This is childhood trauma that's being lived yes. out as adults. Yes. Right? And so because we didn't learn it correctly, we don't teach it correctly. We don't live it correctly. Now, in our minds, we think we do, but then we realize that we have to start tracing back. You start have to unpeeling the layers of all the traumas and the things that you've seen or witnessed or experienced in life, Right? But again, we can no longer leave that as an option. We have to address this early. Now, when, yeah. You know, when, right now, like when you start walking, we, this is where we at with it. When you wake up in the morning, you're going to be fully conscious. When I walk away from you, you're going to be fully conscious and understand all of those things. And still, if that, with that said, you're not going to put that into option. You're still not going to say, I'm going to take a risk or a chance or maybe or hope that if I commit a crime or why in a bitter thought or have an aggression towards somebody that that's going to get me somewhere. Cause I'm telling you that it's not, I'm telling you that it's not, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it's not going to get you nowhere. It's not going to get you the people that you say that you love and care about nowhere. It's not going to get your community nowhere. It's not going to get us in Americans it, uh, anywhere. It's going to only continue the cycle of oppression. It's only going to continue the cycle of abuse. It's only going to continue the cycle of trauma. It's only going to continue the cycle of privilege versus non-privilege. And one of the one one person who I just been I just been stuck on is Professor Elizabeth Kinnick, who told us all these things in her books that the traps and setups that we in the evidence shepherdized case by case legally from a government's position and standpoint. This is not what we saying. This is what they say about themselves. Right. And whether it's policing ourselves, whether it's the police force jumping on us, whatever it is, you know, Elizabeth Hinn has addressed these things and, and many others have. But we have not taken heed to it. We have not taken heed to it because we feel like we know. 
we all collective, our little group, we feel like we got it right. Everybody else wrong. And, we, and so when you don't, when you believe it put on, you don't know nothing. That's right. Let me ask you this. Do you think that, so you were in the era where, you were in the era of Martin Luther King, right? Or when that era was ending. Do you think that the, the generation after that dropped the ball as far as to continue to advance the Black communities, continue to, we got rid of chattel slavery, but we never abolished slavery altogether because the 13th Amendment says that slavery is abolished besides if you commit a crime. And, you know, the counterparts fed off of that, like, all right, chattel slavery is gone, but we can start charging them with crimes. And that's where the drugs came in our community from Ronald Reagan to start locking us up so they could continue to profit off of our black and brown bodies. Do you think that we should have kept pushing for more change? Do you think the ball was dropped? Let me know your thoughts. I believe that it's, it's a combination of, of, of different many things. Is that, like I said, is that back in uh, the civil rights era, while they pushed for great change and accomplished great things, and we acknowledge and accept those things, we ourselves began to individual and personalize things. And so it was not that we dropped the ball, it's that now so many different ideas and so many forces are seeing what we want versus pulling against each other. We begin to tug at each other. We begin to, to battle with each other in the mind, in the state of mind that who's right and who's wrong, which you missed the mark and missed the point from the beginning is that this is an inclusion of all a collective ideas to advance not only as a people, but to advance as a society. And, and, to, and, and, and that's the overall goal is to, is to is, listen, if you don't want to accept me, that's fine. I don't, I, I don't care about that. I, I, what I care about is the inclusion of the right to be considered an equal human being just as you are an equal human being, to be considered an American just as you are an American, to have the same opportunities as you. And they say that we give you the opportunity, but it's clear that if I have the same qualifications as you and you took your studies and learned off me, then you're going to say that I'm unqualified or overqualified for a position. As you say that you believe in second chance, and we had to take second chance back to the early stages. Back, back, but it used to be a time where they we didn't even have reentry or post incarceration. Those things are, wasn't on the table. Even the, up all the way up until when I went to prison and Diane Feinstein used to come through Fillmore and she used to say, "If I catch you with one piece of crack cocaine or Glock nine, I'm giving you a hundred years in prison. You're doing life." So they had already set the trap. We go from three prisons to thirty three prisons. We go from uh. Oh, in and out of jail to long-term mass incarceration, right? For the sole purpose of financial gain, right? And so then Governor Gavin Newsom comes along, Mayor London Breed comes along, President Barack Obama comes along, and they say, no, we can't, we, this ain't working for us. It's going to cost, this going to cost America a trillion dollars if we continue that at, at this pace, right? We already in a deficit. We need to get back to something. And so we start implementing all of these things. But to answer the question, it's not that uh, they dropped the ball. It's that when the ball was through to you, you didn't know how to catch. When the, when the bat was given to you, you didn't know how to swing. That's not their fault. That's your fault. That's your fault that you're not getting in the batter's cage and, and practicing your swing. 
Kobe Bryant went out at 2, two o'clock in the morning and shot a million free throws for Shaquille O'Neal. And, 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 and to, until some point, they became real good at it. See, we're not practicing what we say we want. So we have to practice perfection. We have to practice greatness. We have to unlock our own potential, which already exists within us. That's a responsibility that I bear. I can't keep blaming the civil rights movement and the people of the past and it's their fault they didn't do that. That's what I'm telling you. I, I take responsibility for those people who come after me. Now, I don't t- I'm not taking responsibility for those people who came before me. I'm taking responsibility for my actions in the role that I play in allowing those who, fo- who follow me not to be able to learn and know that they need to practice, that they need to be there for each other and not against each other. To learn to be responsible parents. And a lot of times, young men and women are having children before they even themselves learn how to even be a child, let alone a parent. I want to get away from this whole who fault it is. At the end of the day, when you ask the question about who fault it is, it's your fault. Rodney Wright said, whoever asked the question, who fault it is, it's your fault for asking the question. You can't without addressing the issue, which is what we're going to do about it, right? What are we going to do about it? So, what I say is that's the reason why I wrote the book, Overcoming Gangs and Property. I wrote this book because it, it is an outline to give you just the basic understanding of what you perceive property to be. Because for a rich man who ain't got a million dollars, he broke. Right? <laughs> so for a poor man who, who on government team, you know what I'm saying, he broke. So how do you define in your own mind, what is property? And what do you define as a game? Because you might say, it's encrypts is a game, but I'm going to say the police is a gang too. I'm right. going to say that the military is a gang as well. Collectional so, offers and all. <laughs> it's all defined under the idea of the, of the label from which we give it. We all gangs because a gang in itself, the term in itself, is a, a collective group that moves on one accord into, more with people. a common goal. With mm-hmm. a common goal. Whether you're Democrats or Republicans or whatever you want to call yourself, independence, it doesn't matter. So we need to get away from these little terms and stuff about how we're trying to justify our actions. And that's what's key. No one is better than the other human being. We, we can no longer continue to, to fester in all of that stuff. We need to address the issue. What are we going to do about it? And what sacrifices are you willing to make to obtain that equality as an American here in our system, whether it's the justice system, whether it's our neighborhood communities, or whether it's our politics, what are we willing to do to say enough is enough? I don't, don't want to see nobody else go to prison. I don't want to see another person inside of the community killed. I don't want to see another officer commit a crime against another officer and say that it's justified because he was acting erratic because you didn't understand that he had a mental illness and didn't want to address his mental problem because that was going to cost you too much. We need to address mental illness in America. We need to address re-entry programs. We need to address, you don't get to just because you got a nonprofit get to spend the money the way you want to spend it. We need to address the issues and do the things that we do. It's, and that's important. And and I, and I want to and I, and I say all this because I want you to understand that uh, you you speaking to someone who while in prison, like I said, I went to terrorize prison because I would I didn't want to be I didn't want to be a victim. Right. I didn't want to be a victim. I was young. I was sent to the the prison San Quentin where you know they sent all the older people. You That's know, they sent all the toughest right there. They sent all they sent all the most experienced criminals, the most 
violent people at that time. And even there, when I went there, oh no, I'm going to, you know, y'all gonna be scared of me. I ain't gonna be scared of y'all. And because my, because again, my friends told me when you go to prison, because you're going, when you get there, you're gonna have to make an example because they ain't gonna believe you. Everybody gonna wanna try you. Everybody won't believe they tougher than the other person. Mm-hmm. Right? The word weak is out. So you, you won't have to figure that out. So that's what I went and did. When, when 1989, they opened up Pelican Bay State Prison. It became the most notorious prison for the state of California. I'm on the first bus smoking. Let's go. We're doing that. We're doing <laughs> shoe terms. We're doing a whole nah. That, 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 I, I, I was so bad that, that we're going to send him to Corporate State in the second most notorious prison for the state of California, where they, I participated in the gladiator program. And the officers was putting us out on your guards with different races and allowing, betting on us, fighting and all this type of stuff. But again, to them, this is natural, normal behavior because it's what we wanted for ourselves. We wanted to fight with each other. We wanted to uh, attack each other mentally and play these little social wars and all this type of stuff. And so that 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 became who I was in all the way up until the day I was released. I didn't mean look, I'm because I never believed that I was going to be released. I never knew that I was going to be released. I'm not taking the, the classes that you got to take to. To do the right thing and go to the board and convince them. And again, I now got to convince you to let me be free to live my life. Mm-hmm. I got to convince another human being that it's okay to put me around in, in your society. No, no, no. I got to convince myself that, that I'm capable of doing that, mm-hmm. of living amongst people in, in an environment that, that don't do or think the things that they say you have to adapt. You have to adapt. To your surroundings, you have to be willing to compromise uh, the things that that you are living for the greater good of all everyone, right? Just because mm-hmm. I want to do that, you might want to do something else. You might like Coca Cola, and I like orange. That don't mean that we don't drink. <laughs> so we're not gonna start a war because you want your chicken fried, and I want mine baked. You Bay know, so, right? So we gonna figure out a way where all of this can be put on the plate. And so when I got out, I just told myself, I'm not going to be a, a disappointment to all of those people who should and deserve to be out of prison. And some people sitting in prison, I don't care what state you're in, Massachusetts, California, New York, Texas, wherever you're at. It's some people in prison who deserve to be out, who deserve to be free, who are conscious and capable of surviving and thriving and making sure that other people don't do the same thing that are still incarcerated. Now, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one who got out and show back up. Because they mm-hmm. say in prison, everybody say, oh, I, I want to get out. If I get out, I'm going to do this. I'll never come back. I'm not going to go right that back. Place. And then you look up and you see you got the same old selling. <laughs> You're like, I didn't, even, I didn't even throw your property out because I already knew you was coming back. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't want to be that type of embarrassment because I want to live in a good life for them because if they never get that opportunity, I want to show that it's, it's, it's you can make it and you and, and I will make it. And, 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 and so and you will make it all those people who get out and I'm not going to allow and I'm not and I do that for my community. So I don't work because I want to get paid. I don't work because I want to be acknowledged by those people who say that I couldn't do it, like they were teaching me something and you smarter than me. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because I want those people who follow to see that it is possible that you can do that. Mm-hmm. The same mm-hmm. way I picked up them guns, the same way I 
fucked up them drugs the same way. I've broken them cars and broken them homes. You saw that was okay because you see me doing it. So you can see me work, get a doing job. You can see me pay taxes. You can see me go to the jury duty. You can see all of these things. And now you begin to believe that you can do those things. Be a productive so citizen. So I'm trying to be an example to a part, to a more fruitful idea. So you can give me a million dollars in best cars and homes in the world, and it ain't gonna change my principle about doing what is right in the eyes of those who need to learn what's right. Sure. right? Yes, sir. So, so that's you can throw it whatever kind of way you want to throw it. But I've learned, and, and like you said, when we go back to uh some people just gotta learn the hard way. I, I was one of those people who had to learn the hard way, but when I learned it. I'm gonna make sure that you don't have to learn it the hard way. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that sacrifice that you don't have to learn it that way. And and I, when I say I, I'm talking about every individual who has gotten out of prison after a, a long term conviction and been that person for somebody else's sight. Because yeah, I ain't, I ain't the only one that ever got out of prison and became made it. There are countless people who get ignored. Okay. There are countless people who have served long-term convictions who, are, who have achieved great things in life. But y'all don't want to talk about them. Y'all just want to put on the news who got shot, what person uh, had a mental breakdown, or who ran through the shoplifting and you losing money because the mall about to shut down due to homelessness. Y'all not addressing those issues. You're not putting me and my fiance Maria, we go out almost daily. I take the little money that I got. We go out daily. Pass out food to people. If I got 50 cents, yeah, you get a quarter of it. If she can make some beans and rice or some chicken, whatever was on my plate, you get half. Mutual you aid. Know? That's what it is. Mutual right. aid. Right. You look out right. for one so Because I cannot walk by. She cannot. Or we cannot walk by. See somebody laying on the street, homeless. See somebody using drugs. It acts as if that, don't, that ain't there. Like, we, it's invisible. You know? We have desensitized ourselves to the idea of all those things that we don't want. So we just walk by, you, you play the video games, and all of a sudden, it's okay to kill somebody. No, that ain't cool. No, it's not cool for you to walk by and see that person with that young woman with three kids don't, with a food sign talking about, can I get a dollar uh, to get something to eat? And you got $100 in your pocket. I'm not you saying you can shovel out your money. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that. But you can do something. You can do something. You can get it. You can go in your closet. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure every person that's listening right now, every person who you encounter in your life, got a shirt, a jacket, a pair of pants, a pair of shoes in their closet they ain't wore in the last six months. Give it to the goodwill. Give it to somebody. What's wrong with giving it to somebody? Yeah. Now, I could say you, you're rich. You don't want to be. I get it. You don't want to go out there. And you don't be amongst the people that you know, you're different from. I, you know, I hear you. Okay. Give it to some of us who, who, who will go out there. Give it to some of us who don't have problems saying that, no, that person is me. I'm one paycheck off of being homeless. I'm one, I'm, I'm one piece of bread off of not eating. I'm not one of them people. She not, Maria not one of them people. I'm sure you or other people are not those people. Why not give it to us since you high and mighty? You can have the credit. You want the credit? I give you the credit. I give right. you the credit. But, but let's say about people. Let's save our, our, our American idea. Let's save our cultures. Let's save our, our humanity. Our That's what's important. Everything. Yeah. But more is our children. Why? 
because they next. Yep. They up next. They're going to be the same tears that you're going to need to, to wipe your little butt or take you, you know what I'm saying, to go shopping for you when you get too old and you can't do it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when all the glitz and the glamour go on and you can't throw, go to your little war shows and do your little fast press conferences, you're going to look to them same people and you're going to say you need a little help. You can't do that. And, 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 I, and I will not allow that to be an option for you to do that. Yeah. You know, so, so talk I'm to us about Talk to us about what you currently do now. What you, you're, you have done a lot. You've been through a lot. So talk to us about what you're doing out there in, in California to be that difference, to make that difference. I'm currently a, a, a director for an organization that deals with changing urban people and spaces. So we're out there. It's public safety. That's what we do. We're here to transform lives, transform mindsets, transform conditions, transform communities into a way that they can see a dip, dip from a different lens. We meet you at the intersection uh, of your own situation. We're there to, to not judge unjudgmental. We're here to, to, to associate it uh, with compassion and love from a trauma-informed lens. And to understand that not everything is your fault, but now that we are what we are, what we're going to do about it, let's, let's grab a broom, let's sweep the streets. Because if you see a clean environment and you start feeling good about yourself, you know, you still you hear good things, you start thinking good. And we here <clears> to be that, that, that catalyst for those people who may not necessarily know that they want to change. You may not even know that yet. You may not sometimes, even And sometimes you don't know where to start to change. Sometimes you need right. that help or that little push to be like, this is where you start. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> And so that, and that's what I do as a profession is that I'm in, oh, I'm in the business of changing lives. I'm in the business of changing people. I'm in the business of changing communities. Uh, my employment is, is just one aspect, a, aspect of my life. I also, uh, with, along with my fiance, Maria, is that we, we form, uh, what we call changing lives forever. So I have an online magazine that addresses, that shows the success stories of those people who were formerly incarcerated or uh, you know, address issues of, of foster care because that's a whole nother issue oh, that we think that, that that could be dove in so deep. We think one thing and it's really not all that and young women are born in society's foster care and being sexually assaulted So then you take it from one family and transfer them to the next family. You then you emancipated at 17 right. and kicked out on the street. So, yeah. so it's a lot of stuff going on with that. We address the issues of success stories of people. We try to highlight well, those things that mainstream publication won't won't, won't highlight when they mm -hmm. should because they know that it's financially uh, beneficial to always highlight the negative. They want to feed off of people's fear. They want to feed off of uh, people's despair. They want to feed off uh, uh, people's uh, will to want to do better without wanting to help them do better. Uh, so I'm doing that. I'm also, I got two books out now. One is Overcoming Gangs and Property, uh, which we talked about earlier. The second one is The Pathway to Renewal. That's a step-by-step -step guide on how uh, to be successful after after incarceration. And, and that's my most uh, prided book because uh, this is more than 300, almost 402 pages that's going to keep take you through step-by-step, -step, whether it's false, faltering positive connections, communications with other people. Because we, what happens is a lot of times, we get into this. We just want to be with our friends. Sometimes it's okay to meet new people and so that it'll open your mind to new things, create a new dream, create new avenues. 
And so we're doing that stuff. And, and, and I just got a lot of stuff going on that I want to be, first and foremost, a good example and positive in my community. That's amazing. That's what we need. We need more organizations like that. That's what me and my husband are currently trying to do with our organization is work on mental health holistically, because I think hitting mental health from a holistic standpoint and helping you self-regulate your your emotions and being able to control your responses so you're not responding violently when you're upset is extremely important to make sure that our community has a healthy mind. Because my motto is, if your mind ain't healthy, your body ain't healthy. And those two together work together. And if you if one ain't connected to the other, then you disassociate. And then that's when you have the, that's the, the lead way and the doorway to things of incarceration or harming somebody. And we are trying to just change the way people respond and how they think and to keep their brains online while they're in an anxious situation, to keep their brains online while they're going through a traumatic experience so that they're able to respond in a way that it's not going to bring them any harm or cause them to be incarcerated. So it's important that you have organizations like that, that meet people where they're at, not judge them, but meet them exactly where they're at that intersection. You know what I'm saying? Boots on the ground and ready to change the way that our communities are because we just have this whole illusion of how it should be, but we're not really showing how it really is. I'm saying how we really can change it and and be a productive citizen. And so that's the reason why I came up with this podcast is to highlight just people's stories because everybody's story is always told by somebody else. And I wanted this to be a safe space for people to tell their story exactly how they want to tell it and not be judged. And to also uplift those that are formerly incarcerated to show that there's a lot of successful people after incarceration. We always like to make it seem like, oh, once they get out, they're going right back. And so you see all those stories, but you don't see the stories of the ones who have gotten out and changed their community and been a productive community member of their of their community and so it's it's important to keep that trend going and and what we must understand is that we 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 first need to address uh mental illness and trauma mental illness and trauma is very important because that's the springboard for all of those other things if we want to lower recidivism if we want to acknowledge those things which we consider to be problems homelessness addiction mental illness then we have to, and I'm not just saying this to promote a book. I encourage you to go out and buy Pathways to Renewal. I encourage you to go out and buy Overcoming Gains of Property because these, these ain't about placing blame. These are about creating solutions. These are about addressing. I think about Mayor London Breed of San Francisco who went from mayonnaise drawer to the mayor. These things are real. Now this, and when we address mental illness, we, we simultaneously address incarceration yes. because our prison systems are full of people who have suffered from trauma and mental illness, right? Now, mm-hmm. that don't mean that let's go give them a prison dug you're going to sit there for 30 minutes and we're going to send you on your way. We're talking about real steps. My book, Pathway to Renewal, address these steps. I'm almost guaranteeing everybody who read it, if you have been in this type of life, you're not going to be in it no more. If you put in a work, see... Just because you have an organization, if you're not boots on the ground, it don't really matter because you disconnected just like the rest of them, right? You have become the very people who you say you wouldn't be, you didn't want to be, or who was wrong, right? We got to be down here in the trenches, hand and foot, toe to toe, addressing these issues. 
because that's what the that's what these people are looking for. When you homeless or you suffer mental illness or you have been incarcerated, you're not looking because you got a good job. I'm looking. Do you understand? Are you willing to be in my zone? You don't want me in yours. So are you willing to be down here in my environment, which is the community? Just because you got the title, just because you got the position, just because you got the organization, are you going to be down here when, I, like I said, I just wanted to be accepted. So I went to the streets, right? The streets accepted me. Are we willing to accept the streets back? Are we right. willing to get, get up in there with them and say, listen, man, this is not what it is. And I'm here with you. And so I can be in all those people who got it like that, but. I'm going to be right here on the block. I'm going to be right down here. Uh, you and me both. Morning, <laughs> two in the morning when, you know, when right before he put this tinfoil on the, the drugs on the paper, say, hey, man, that, that's not cool. Let, let's that ain't go what have, you need. Right. Let's go eat a donut or something. Maria's going to be right there. Hey, let me feed you something because you need to eat because if you're not, if you don't eat, then you're not healthy. You don't feel good. And then you fall back into these cycles. So that's where I'm going to be. That's where you're going to find me. But they can, I don't care how much money I got. And I will say this. And I will say this for every person who's listening. If you're not willing to do that, you are the problem. Yes. I say that all the time. If you're willing to do that, you are the problem. So don't ask what's the problem. It's you. You. Yes. Yes. If you in politics and you say four second chance and you say I'm for the long term offender who's successful. If you're not willing to stand with him, you could talk all you want. If it's just oh, a campaign geez. slogan, if it's just a campaign slogan, if it's just the something that you oh, well, I signed a bill, okay, you signed a bill, but are you there? Because they don't see you, they don't hear you. Is you doing it only because your system is crowded and you can't afford it? Or are you really got trying to change some lives? If you're trying to change some lives, then we need you to stand side by side with us and change the narrative. Because like you say, if I don't write the story, then you're going to write the story. And if you write your story, I'm all going to be right. It ain't going to be right. <laughs> it's going to be all wrong. Yes, right. right. Yes. So I need to write this story. I need to continue to put out books. I need to continue to be on the block because uh, that's where I resonate with myself and, and, and consciously understanding to humble myself to the idea that I'm no better than anybody else, no matter what condition they live under. And that as an American and as a human being, it is my obligated responsibility uh, to be there and want for others what I want for myself. And that's not to ever be in prison. That's to not ever be on drugs. That's to not ever be homeless. That's to not be free uh, of any type of incarcerated uh, mind state, slavery, oppression, or however you want to determine uh, uh, or labor it. I don't want to be anything but a man who does the right thing. Rodney, let me tell you something. You are amazing, man. You are a true example. And we need 30,000 of you. <laughs> To be able to and there are 30,000. They just don't want to say that it's 30,000. It are 30,000. We just need to take the time to go out and pluck them out the same way we plucked all them bad guys out. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up. I want to thank you so much because you just dropped a whole bunch of facts and gems and everything else for the audience. And I, I know they're going to appreciate that. Let everybody know where they can find you. I will link your, if you send me um, the link for your book, I'll link that in the bottom of the description to make sure people can be able to purchase your book because it's very important that they purchase that book and take that knowledge and help the next man and the next man help the next man. That's the way 
that we get our community where we need to be is next man helping the next man, next man helping the next man. But yeah, let the audience know where they can find you, your social media handles, your web, if you have a website, but I will link that at the bottom. But yeah. So, of course, I can be found on the block, city, services, <laughs> hallways, right? Right on the block, you know, you spin a code, I'm there. I have an online magazine, I'm reading myself. It's called Changing Lives Forever. That's at substack.com. My books, Overcoming Gays, are in the pathway to renewal. We can be found on Amazon. We're trying to take it to the world. But I'm sure they in other countries, they got it, you know, it doesn't bad. And so you can find us that right there on Amazon. We, I do the public speaking. It don't matter where part of the world you're in. We fly and come and we're doing whatever you're doing. As long as you provide and make sure that we get there, you can reach out to the co-founder of Change Life Forever, uh, which is Maria Morales at 415-583-1463. 415-583-1463. Or you can reach her at forever at gmail.com. That's immorales, uh, dot changing lives forever at gmail.com. We always take it in. You can find us on LinkedIn at changing lives forever. And that's what we're doing. That's how we're being it. But you can always encourage other podcasts, hosts, uh, radio talk, TV appearances. We're doing it all, uh, to get it, to get that message out there so that we can continue to support each other collectively because this is a collective idea. I want to say in closing that at no time anything that I say that uh, that is incorrect or wrong, credit to me, Roddy Rice, for, for my lack of confidence and not knowing all those things from which I say that are good for, to reduce good behavior, positive thinking, and approach for the growth here in America. Credit that to all those voices who never got heard. But pro, uh, credit that to all those men and women who are incarcerated who never got free. Credit that to every drug addict, to every homeless person who never has something to eat, who never learns to get off drugs. Credit that to the community, to whom always wanted to be just included in the conversation and, and, and therefore would never work. None of this credit goes to me. It, I'm just a, a voice who got the opportunity to speak it, to say what other people didn't want, who couldn't say. But with that said, I thank you and I salute you for continuing to do the great work that you do as well. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care.